नमस्ते थैंक यू गोविंद थिंक थैंक यू विवेक एंड एज यू हैव ऑलरेडी सेट द राइट नोट दैट वी आर लिविंग लाइफ एज इफ इन ए प्रिजन और राधर वी हैव कम टू रिकोगनाइज दैट देर इज ए प्रिजन विच इज डीपर दैन दिस आउटर प्रिजन दिस कन्फाइनमेंट फोर्स कन्फाइनमेंट आउट ऑफ फियर is helping us to confront with many things within us one of them of course fear one of another thing is death another thing as you said very interestingly and i must make a remark about it you said world leader are uh, thinking about what is the solution they are part of the problem actually if you ask me so <laughs> so so what is the solution what is the remedy before we talk about the remedy we must find the real problem so the first step is you know someone asked uh, uh, a buddhist follower that you know you people keep sitting and looking inside and gazing inside and will it is it going to solve the problems of the world so the monk replied very beautifully solution is later on but it will help us to identify the problem so what really is the problem you see we can take now a few examples <clears throat> one of them that comes to my mind is you know as a child i had read a story called sadak ki atmakatha the the life history autobiography of a road and along those lines i had another story in mind beej ki atmakatha you know the the story of the seed which is buried inside the sand now there is a time when the seed is with its hard crust like the baby in the womb and it doesn't know it doesn't have a problem in fact life is wonderful so everything is very nice it gets its food it gets its quota and for a long time that is how we think life is about and yet they say that the baby in the womb is dreaming it doesn't remember its dreams and when the baby comes out then a dream trail journey begins so to this stage of growth there is a stage of growth when we are completely ignorant we don't know what we are born for born with everything is pre programmed by by parents by by the society and everyone and we there are dreams which are transferred to us transferred from this or that person or this or that uh, community society teachers and so on and so forth but a time comes when we begin to there is a deeper dream from within that begins to emerge and none can deny that through all the various activities of a life through all the various achievements that we want to strive for there is something which is at the core of it and that at the core of it is that we want a wonderful life a happy life a perfect life if i may use the word ahead now we don't know what that perfect life will be we are told that if we get this life will be perfect if we get this life will be wonderful and we go for those things but as we grow up we begin to wonder whether we are really uh, having anything perfect whether life is really so wonderful or we are chasing uh, a dream which is just like a rainbow the moment we are close to it it vanishes so this is how human life proceeds has has moved on for a long long distance in space and time as shubhendra puts it in savitri a long dim preparation is man's life a circle of want and hope and grief and tears and wars through all this there is a human journey which has reached this point where we believe that 
at the push of a button we have everything at our command this technology itself is uh, you know one of the examples of that that man's uh, mental development has reached a point where there is so much abundance at many levels at least so much abundance for quite a few quite a number of people but in spite of all that we are discovering simultaneously another kind of poverty without which life will not remain complete and this is what we are being confronted with we are being pushed inside to confront that depravity inside despite all the mental development intellectual development there is something which is missing and that leads to various other kinds of problem let's take for example people often talk about poverty and they speak about you know that what is the solution system of governance system of uh, you know economic distribution equity etc but all these will remain theory as long as the root problem which is spiritual greed it's not tackled similarly you know we talk about uh, this virus and everything but fear how can we make our body immunity strong enough fear paralyzes us fear overwhelms us so that the real problem ultimately as we go further and further we discover that it it is that our consciousness is set within very small and narrow limits our operating system as uh, govind has brought out is uh, ego operating system which further limits our consciousness its range our joys become so limited we all want to be happy but see look at the paradox of it now how much can the ego make us happy only when my little self is happy or maybe my family is happy but as swami vivekananda says very beautifully when you have a universal consciousness then all the joys of the world rush into you you know there was a very interesting uh, experience of nishtha i think some of us may be knowing Mar- margaret wilson she was daughter of president woodrow wilson um, previous president of america and she was around 15 she was lying in a park and suddenly she experienced she was feeling very happy at all the birds chirping at such so much beauty all around and she had a thought passing thought that i wish god could enjoy this a wonderful thought and at that moment she felt overwhelmed with all the joys rushing into her being and the the flash like a flash the revelation that came to her that but it is god who is enjoying all this now the consciousness became suddenly vast so vivekananda speaks of this experience it is there in isha upanishad isha vasyam idam sarvam yat kinche jagat tyam jagat tena taktena bhunjita by renouncing thou wouldst enjoy magrida kasasudhanam so there is an actual experience when the consciousness becomes wide 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 then all the joys in creation begin to rush into us similarly when the consciousness begins wide the knowledge the power the peace the the love that is there at the base of everything begins to rush into us but then we fall back it's very difficult to sustain that also because the body cannot contain it for long so we fall back into the old pattern because that's a comfort zone we are very happy with you know like often i give this example people come all the way um, to the ashram and they sit for some time just by the side of the samadhi they spend so much money so much time but in spite of all that and they feel wonderful that's why one is coming but there comes a time when one after half an hour 45 minutes one hour has to move out why because the old consciousness the old way of life is very strongly rooted it's like entrance into our system and pulls us back so this is the real war that we face inside 
and this old consciousness which the mother speaks of and the new consciousness which she has brought to her this old consciousness is precisely the ego operating system the desire driven system the mind driven way of life where we think thought and analytical thought and the human intellect is the ultimate way to understand life and to act upon it where we feel the ultimate motive is desire where we feel taking care of my own personal little life is the ultimate uh, goal of existence now when we begin to driv- be driven by this we become small and when we become small our the delight of existence becomes small the path becomes small you see if we go to Uh, the mighty ganges and we want to carry the whole ganges but we can to carry only that much which is in my palm or which is which i can fill in a bot- bottle but look at shiva the entire ganges he takes in his uh, you know uh, mat of hair the the locks of his hair because the consciousness when it is vast it automatically experiences that delight which is all over we don't because we keep in it now the moment we came in it it's me and it is other than me this is how the whole conflict quarrel and everything starts but there is another way of operating another way of uh, living life and that's what the mother proposes to us that mind cannot solve the problems which mind has created ego cannot solve the problem which ego has created desires cannot solve the problem which desires have created so what is the way out now there have been various solutions which have been suggested over a period of time one of them is only strengthening the ego more and more you know if you take to the western psychological models it's like you must be strong you should be assertive you should be able to face you should be able to even give a blow <laughs> if necessary now all this is okay but the the fundamental error is that we don't change the consciousness we just act within those limits and want to fortify ourselves and the second remedy which people have suggested is governance that governments should change the system should change uh, uh, the the methodology must change machinery must must change but as shubindo beautifully says in one of his aphorism mankind has always erred by this belief and this thought that we can change by changing governments by changing machineries by changing the systems but what the what within that outside the thy shalt and thou shalt enjoy now i take this example there are several examples you know we see a goat being carried i have seen this so i use this example of a goat being carried to the butcher's place for sacrifice and this goat was sitting behind on a moped you know enjoying its little food which the uh, driver has uh, given but he is taking her to actually for the slaughter house but the goat is so happy so happy in its comfort zone not realizing that next moment it will become somebody else's comfort zone so this is the kind of life that we are leading this this ignorance is so frightening 5 years back none of us knew what is going to hit us plans all kinds of various programs everything collapses and crashes this is just a small little thing just an indicator of how small our life is with all our knowledge we cannot predict what's going to happen tomorrow see this something very interesting during this period if we um, look at it it's very interesting that when this whole virus pandemic started everybody started predicting predicting is a good business so you know the scientists predicted the <laughs> the people predicted then cephalologists came in astrologers came in now slowly none of the predictions turned out to be true now people are predicting very cautiously it will take a few years because it's a, it's to be on the safer side now with all this knowledge we cannot predict 
an event which is triggered by something as small, infinitesimally small as a virus. So all this is there to indicate the smallness, the littleness of consciousness in which we are trapped. Now we don't realize it as long as you know our comfort zones go. But unless we change the consciousness, we are like a goat which is enjoying life. But this joy is ultimately hurtling it towards its own slaughter. Or like the dog who is sitting in a car and going but thinks it is the owner because the owner and the driver and everybody is looking after it. But its consciousness is that of a dog. So the essentially it is the growth of consciousness which can really be the remedy. All the problems that we face and it's not just about the pandemic, countless problems, conflicts at home, mega scale, the nuclear arsenal, the imbalance of money and everything. Whatever we may try at a human level, these problems are going to only multiply because the real problem is not in the uh, not outside, the real problem lies within the smallness of our consciousness. If my consciousness is small, I would naturally want to, I would feel greedy and I would want to possess and it will lead to all kinds of things. But if my consciousness is large, and we can take a very simple example, that take a simple family structure. Now we don't have a joint family, but even in a family where there are four or five brothers. Now when one of the brothers sacrifices something for the other brother, he doesn't take it as a sacrifice, he does it joyously. But it's very difficult to conceive of this vastness when it comes to world. So we don't share certain resources, we hold on to some for ourselves and other people have to fend for themselves. But imagine when the consciousness is vast. This idea of Vasudev Kutumbam is not enough. It's important that the consciousness must become vast. So growth of consciousness implies first that there should be a widening, a deepening and a heightening of consciousness. But even this does not help us escape from ignorance. You know, there is very interestingly, Shurabindu explains in Savitri, in his letters, that from an individual ignorance, we may enter into cosmic ignorance. There are beings with very, very vast, tremendous vital, tremendous uh, intellectual capacity, very vast in terms of their, um, if, if we take the measure. But still they are trapped within the magic circle of ignorance. So there is something else which is needed and that's what the mother indicates in uh, in this passage which she is referring to. One of the things that she indicates in the passage when she speaks of growth of consciousness that all true growth, it's, it's part of a long passage, that all true growth comes from within outwards or from above downwards. And she gives a very interesting hint about it. So within outward means that we can make things grow and develop outwardly. It's like, you know, we shape a forest, we shape some plants, etc. We make things outwardly very nice. Uh, we, we know it that, uh, you know, let's speak of a simple thing like a harmony in a family. Now we may have everything which is wonderful, but the harmony will not come unless there is a change within each person. So this change of consciousness the mother says, will happen either from something greater than mind as it presses upon the mind and begins to enter and change us. Which means the mind must make space for this greater consciousness, for this truer consciousness to enter. Now, this is the first thing that mother speaks of. And the other is that we must go into our depths and discover the true will. So these are the two things. We operate with knowledge and will. And depending on the the, the the frame of the knowledge and will, we will experience delight. So this is what if we go to the Indian conception of Satchidananda. We have a limited uh, awareness, we have a limited knowledge and we have a limited will. 
Now where is the true will and the true knowledge? One is that we must go beyond the mind. Now since going beyond the mind was a very difficult journey for human beings, Shurabindu undertook it and some mystics have undertaken it. So the mother made it much simpler. She said, okay, when we as children cannot go beyond the mind, I'll bring that consciousness which is beyond the mind into man, near to man. She has served it right like a food in the plate. But we can't eat the food. Why we cannot eat the food? Because we are already overfull with the old food, the stale food. We are very attracted to it. So even when there is something so beautifully beautiful brought close to us, when mother was asked that this greater consciousness of which you speak, the supramental consciousness, it is there. So what is required to receive it? And she said, widening. If, if we remain small, it's not going to enter. It will smash. Can we imagine the Niagara entering a small little bottle, somebody standing below to, with a bottle. The bottle and the man will be wiped away. Only from a distance we can experience the splash. So there has to be wideness. There has to be strength to receive. Now Vedic Rishis knew about this need of strength. So they spoke about strength being developed through tapas. Tapas is the right way to develop strength. What tapas means? That we, uh, that's where purification comes in. We leave the lesser for the greater. Tapas is not, uh, you know, renouncing things outwardly. Tapas is renouncing a lesser state of existence for a greater and more beautiful state of existence. And tapas means a concentrated energy. Right now, our energy is in all kinds of directions. We want this, that, this, that, everything. So in the process, we miss the one thing which alone can really redeem us. As Shurabindu says beautifully in Savitri, we lose the one for whom our lives are made. So, tapas is a concentrated energy of spiritual endeavor. Every energy, when we try to take it to its utmost possibility, that is tapas. And the mother speaks of it. She doesn't say that tapasvi is somebody who is sitting in a particular dress, particular cloth, particular posture, in a particular mudra, with a particular dand and, uh, you know, kamandalu in hand. She speaks about tapasya beauty. Can we imagine there is, you know, beauty, tapasya of beauty. She speaks about the law of beauty. We all want beautiful things. But it has to move from the crude to the refined to the sublime to the divine. Tapasya of love. What kind of love we experience in life. We all know that. Completely egoistic love. Love which is the finest flower of heaven upon earth. If there is one thing that really gives suddenly makes Shrivindas when he speaks of love he says it is the experience of love even at a human level is as if a universe is going to take birth as if the soul is going to merge into the divine that is the experience of love but it doesn't last because we cannot hold the flame instead of the fire being at the center the ego comes in and so it's that energy goes away it goes into hundred and thousand calculations so he, she speaks about the tapasya of love she speaks about the tapasya of knowledge and through this tapasya she speaks about the tapasya of power there is a progressive purification refinement and divinization of the being so there are two aspects of it one is that the growth of consciousness means opening to something vaster, something deeper, something higher. And for that, our mind has to become quiet to make room. So one of the biggest difficulties is that, you know, like people who hesitate at the shore. That, well, should I? Should I not? Should I step into the sea? Should I not? So they keep reading a lot of books. And they have developed a whole lot of, you know, their library is full of books on the sea. And one day they venture into the sea 
and they venture with a you know boatman and they are carrying all their books because they have read all the books on the sea and after some time they consult the book and say oh wow lovely yes yes it's written in the book then after some time they go further yes yes this is there in that other book but you know something about the sea it is unpredictable and in human life if we do not prepare for the unpredictable unpredictable cannot be prepared by books it's something which is inwardly we have to develop so as the story goes of our seafarer that somebody after a long time hesitating eventually ventured into the sea with a boatman and he kept telling the boatman you know i have read this book and that book and the boatman was naturally enjoying the sea so boatman kept saying sir i have not read any book oh you haven't read this book you have wasted your life and so on and so forth suddenly there is a hole in the boat and the boatman asked only one question sir do you know to swim no 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 i am very afraid of swimming i have read all the books but i mean i i know about swimming but i i have never swam so he says sir all your books are a wasted effort until you know swimming so real life is like that so when we speak about growth widening heightening and deepening many people try to make it like a book picture you know they they tell us this way you practice this meditation this technique and the consciousness will expand this is not real time real time is very different and that's why in shobindu's yoga shobindu gives us a very interesting key instead of all these things this is open to the mother now what is open to the mother it means now we are we will be carried by the divine shakti herself so now the incalculable the unexpected the unpredictable is there to challenge us and it is at that point of time when all our mental understanding about everything fails that we have the hand which is holding us and which will carry us through that great journey so we must understand that this is not uh, just a method or a technique how to grow in consciousness it is an attitude it's an approach it's a faith it's a courage it's surrender all these things help us and when we have this confidence that the divine mother is with us then we can go through not one sea but the seven seas and everything else because we know that the creator himself or herself is carrying us on this journey so this is the first aspect and this this journey goes on through everything every moment of life every incident every event very small event is a choice given to us either to fall back into the old or enter into the new take a simple thing food it's to our taste very good we i am very happy but it's not to my taste even better i have a chance of growing see i have somebody with me who praises me you are a wonderful person very good but i have somebody with me who is critical of me even better because you know this person is giving me a chance to grow to widen i am not saying deliberately please choose you know like nindak near a ragi <laughs> we should not be looking for those who are criticizing me and want to keep near but it is a chance of growth by making the choices and we can make a choices of falling back into the old ways or we can make a choice which makes us wider and which makes us stronger makes us plastic and so on and so forth so it is throughout yoga is not something uh, yoga is the means to change consciousness but yoga is not something which is to be practiced only in a hermitage at a fixed time uh, morning brahma muhurt and so on and so forth yoga is something which is going through life the attitudes with which we face imagine you know that famous story of uh, uh, you know king janak and uh, 
Shukdev that you know or Narada the story comes in many ways that you know he goes through the entire city but his focus is on the uh, little uh, little pot over the head which is filled to the brim with oil and one drop it falls and this man uh, is going to you know face the consequences so this is the way we can navigate through life to be focused on the real goal and that is the most important problem up till now we are not yet decided we are we have run we are running the race like you know sometimes i imagine as a child i know this this used to be a joke but uh, you know um uh, i have actually met some people you know people who don't know where they have to go and they are like vagabonds and they are on the railway station some very crowded railway station and if you casually ask um, कहाँ जाना है वेयर आर यू गोइंग आई डोंट नो लेट द ट्रेन कम सो यू नो यू गेट इन टू द ट्रेन इमेजिन इफ यू रियली डू इट दैट आई गेट इन टू द ट्रेन एंड यू नो समबडी सेज वेयर आर यू गोइंग आई डोंट नो मे बी द ट्रेन इज टेकिंग मी समेयर वेयर वेयर इज इट टेकिंग अस अरे हाउ डज इट मैटर आई एम एन्जॉइंग लाइफ दिस सीम्स टू बी ए नाइस ट्रेन कंफर्टेबल ट्रेन बट वेयर आर यू गोइंग टू गेट डाउन आई डोंट नो अबाउट इट so we live life like that this is the degree of ignorance that if we ask ourselves what is the goal of my life we don't even know that you know we'll talk about something which is very temporary okay after 10 years after 20 years often people ask this question uh, you know in psychology this is a way that you ask a person a question where do you want to see yourself 40 years hence so i always found this question very crazy so i flip the question the very differently and i says imagine you have one more moment of life <laughs> and you can ask only one thing what are you going to ask instead of saying where i will be after 40 years 50 years 60 years just ask ourselves that we have one day maybe one moment if one moment looks too short and we can be granted one boon what is it that we will ask god has come saying you ask one boon what will be asked and we all know the answers what we are going to ask anything ephemeral transient or we'll say i want to be completely yours this is the best boon to ask now what we will ask at the end of the day why can't we ask throughout the day so this is this focusing of energies this concentrated on in everything that's what creates the change now we may say okay but if we are concentrated on god how are we going to lead our life that's where the word purification comes in every activity of life has its origin above in something which is divine that's the basic premise of shurbindo and we see the same thing in the gita urdharva moolam ashwat tree its roots are above we think it's below so suddenly we cut ourselves off this is human and that is divine divine is something vague something vast impersonal brahman which has nothing to do with this world but if we take it that the world is immersed from the divine that means all that we experience humanly has its divine equivalent somewhere now comes the process of purification so we can take several examples but first the basics now purification involves certain basic processes you know it's like we have to extract gold so what is the first stage of purification you know in olden times um, before cooking a meal uh, soup hota tha kya bolte english mein but you you know sieve so you you throw things and certain heavy things are thrown out or they gravitate so the first step of purification is that separate the very crude and elements which are sticking on to us as remnants of very obscure material nature in speech very crude speech 
लव वेरी क्रूड लव ब्यूटी वेरी क्रूड फॉर्म्स ऑफ ब्यूटी गोरा है तो अच्छा है दिस इज वेरी क्रूड फॉर्म ऑफ ब्यूटी इट्स नॉट इवन ब्यूटी इट्स अगली एक्चुअली सी इट्स लाइक ए मैने क्वीन दैट्स नॉट ब्यूटी बट द क्रूडेस्ट फॉर्म स्टार्ट देयर समथिंग विच इज प्योरली मेटीरियल समथिंग विच इज प्योरली आउटवर्ड समथिंग विच इज वेरी ग्रॉस एंड दैट्स हाउ यू नो द वर्ड लव गॉट सो मच डिफाइल वॉट इज लव ए पैशनेट अट्रैक्शन एंड मियरली ए फिजिकल एक्ट एंड दैट्स लव so this is the crudest element and we should learn to separate in everything and that's what culture is supposed to do to us it, it you know by a sense of aesthetics we separate the crude from the gross from something which is more refined this is something which our education should do for us the very language we speak the same thing we can say in a very very harsh way the same thing we can say in a beautiful way i remember going to one of the centers in ratlam uh you know there are a lot of flowers which are around this samadhi they have a relics wonderful place now normally you don't want people to pluck the flowers so you can write very rudely don't pluck flowers or fine levid if you pluck flowers but there was something very beautifully written there which you know has always touched my my heart and they had written in hindi kripya phoolon ko stuti karne de please allow the flowers to quietly worship the divine you don't feel like touching and plucking them it makes you feel that the flowers are conscious it's the same thing it's not something else which is ready it's not about manners manners are artificial please sorry it's okay it's uh, one of the things we are taught but the sense that you know when something is there which is crude we choose for something which is more refined this is within the human limits so this is the first step the earth element the gross elements which are totally physical they we make it little more refined then the next is waters you know these are the five elements which come into play so water what is water water is the life energy so we must try to make the life motives the forces that flow through us more refined our actions may be very nice we may be very well behaved good mannered children but our motives may be very ugly so life driven by that's why the best operating system ever created within man is when acts are done not out of you know desire for what we'll get out of pleasure out of you know aggrandizing ourselves out of satisfying ambition, uh, ambition but the best acts ever best tales of sacrifice best stories ever written best epics have been motivated by love so love should be the motive in everything look at shri krishna even there is a great destruction and when shri krishna is asked or if he was asked by arjuna why are you allowing all this what would he say he is anand mein he would say it's an act of love whom do you love all these people are going to be destroyed yes but i love dharma i love truth i value that i love the nation was born with shri krishna with the mahabharata I love this ancient Aryavarth, and it's for the love of this that we must wage the war. Now, this love, you know, itself, when the motive of life changes from these crude motives of ambition, of money, everything outward to something more intrinsic, it it we are touching something very close to what the Gita speaks of Sadharma. When we do something, why should we do it? It's because we love doing it, not because I am going to get something out of it. I may get nothing out of it. It doesn't matter. 
but the joy that comes because we love so this is the second level where we allow the the, the purer waters the purer life energies to flow through us so as they say the panch prana there are two kinds of lower life energies these outer desires wealth and greed and aggrandizement the ambition these are two lower kinds of fuel and we are driven when we are driven by that it throws up a lot of smoke and clogs the system but there are higher fuels and one is of course love and the other is of course uh, you know ascension into greater and greater regions of consciousness when we do something as a yagya so there is a change in the motive then the third purification comes when the maruts come in you see we have the physical element the earth we have the um, liquid element jalam and we have the maruts so what are these maruts they are the energies of thought many fold thought so purification is not just outward sharir shuddhi is all right but if the mind shuddhi i remember very interestingly one one of the humorous anecdotes of shirobindo where niruddha asked him sir i have this boil what should i do he said you have to propitiate it by reciting this mantra i some mantra i gave just humorous mantra so niruddha tells him next day sir i recited you know uh, and nothing happened he said oh i forgot to tell you that you have to recite it in the presence of four brahmins who don't have a pot belly and they are free from sex thoughts now <laughs> you know imagine <laughs> imagine you know we are doing and i am surprised i have seen many homas being conducted and all these very nice things even a bhagavat katha being conducted and and i am talking of facts which we must know you know i am not talking of those religions which are not religions but purely but the highest that man has ever conceived in terms of thought which is beyond religions is sanatan dharma and even there we see bhagavat katha being conducted i am telling you a real story i am not saying all are like that and the end of it the pandit says see nowadays there are problems so please give cash now you know i was so surprised the context was that there was a discussion going on between me and the family members on the bhagwat and i just was casually enjoying over a cup of tea two hours we discussed all enjoyed about what the bhagwat is about and then she says that you know one week we had bhagwat katha and the man asked 1 lakh rupees in cash and none of these things was told to us where did you learn it from i said no no you don't learn it from any book <laughs> this when you actually swim the sea books on the sea will not tell you that So what is this sea swimming? Who teaches? The Divine Mother teaches us. You know, she gave a clue, wonderful clue to Bhagwat that Sri Krishna is the imminent divine, born in the prison of the ego. Now, when we look at the uh, the thoughts, may our thoughts be noble, may our thoughts be beautiful. Beauty of thought. Imagine speech. Everybody talks about even speech. Mother says that if a speech is crude, vulgar. and when we you know use it to project all kinds of vibrations ill will into this world actually we are harming and interfering with god's work and when we use our speech to do it she goes on to say it is something like spiritual suicide but what moves speech it is thought so let's start with thought let's see what let's watch over our thoughts that's how she describes in the dhammapada what kind of thoughts come to us and she gives various methods learning to step back look at the thoughts thought control observe the thoughts then we see what thoughts i want what i do not want what thoughts are going to help me and help in the world people often ask that i want to do mother's work how can i help and immediately they put a pocket in the purse and want to bring out money watch over the thoughts 
is am i spreading ill will with my thoughts am i spreading vibrations which are going to harm disrupt the harmony the beauty which the world is meant to express or am i going to help this world with beautiful thoughts and this is where again i find the geeta very fascinating two things very fascinating about the geeta song of immortality being given when the dance of death is going on and the second what is shri krishna infusing into arjuna before the great massacre beautiful uplifting thoughts thoughts that will endure the rub and change of time thoughts that will outlast not just arjuna and the battle or one generation but thousands of years down the line they are the thoughts which will impregnate and seed a future humanity he is going to do an action which is very gory but behind it are thoughts of compassion kartavyam kuru karmani do it as an offering yagyarth karm your actions are not you are not doing only for rajyam samraddham that is the minimum you deserve it because it's a just war but do it as an offering doesn't matter you may win the battle not win the battle but you have done your bit look at the kind of thoughts that the geeta what levels it takes us and when we ascend through thoughts like that some people ignorantly feel ascension of thought means i pick up a scripture and i debate and discuss upon it not at all it's degrading the scripture because scripture contains in itself something very high now when we start debating and discussing it we are actually bringing it down 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 the human mind's drain but when we use those thoughts and see our life and we want these noble thoughts to become the very you know the the cornerstone of our life the those motivating maruts then they become very very powerful you see when we look at how the maruts were born very interesting they these thoughts can change this world look at shurbindu's thoughts during the first world war he is seeding the world with such thoughts the secret of the vedas the essays on the gita upanishads renaissance of india and of course savitri the life divine synthesis of yoga so thoughts so these are the maruts so these are three levels of purification the physical vital mental but it is not enough we may have beautiful thoughts but again there is a tendency for these to be pulled down and that's what we see in that beautiful passage which i would request vivek ji to just circulate the whole passage to everyone it's so beautiful now in that passage we see he says there are two more things which are essential because see when you take the five elements there are two things still missing the agni and the akash so after all these thoughts which we have accumulated reading of the scriptures trying to practice it and you know the the good life forces motives and we have separated crude actions from a little more refined action even in action see the martial arts martial arts you are hitting but look at the action it's so refined it's like dancing if somebody didn't know that is martial arts and devastating act, uh, you know power then we will think that the person is dancing because even the crude gesture the crudest action powerful action not the crude is stemming from a very refined state of being then after that the agni so she says all to create true creations that are going to last start from within outwards and she gives the example of the ashram itself we try to do it the other way round for example we say that well when i am settled in my life then i will turn to god but when we begin to this agni has the power to rebuild a whole world whole creation this what we have learned this is the lore the great lore of the vedic rishis that everything may be lost 
And Shobinda puts it very beautifully. He says, if two things remain, courage and love, you can build everything. So this Agni which is there at the center, when Badr was asked that, how are we going to build a new world? You know what she said? <laughs> she said something very interesting. She says, you know, Shobinda has given the secret in the Vedas. Oh, where is the Vedas? What has he said? He says, by the will, by the pressure of the will and faith. What does it mean? Doesn't matter what the appearances are. The will must remain firmly rooted inside towards that. And if we have that kind of will inside, even if everything is looks dead and gone. I mean, sometimes these stories are so interesting. I remember... Uh, recently this story was being circulated We all know about uh, Banda Bahadur You know he was uh, sacrificed Because his guru He had given his body his life And refused conversion So they took Banda Bahadur And uh, uh, because he is the one Who took the head of the guru And uh, we have the Sishkanju Gurdwara And you know he brought it to safety And eventually they rounded him up And along with him 106 of that time came together it's, you know, that is real Sikhism. It's so unfortunate that now it has taken a very different course altogether. But that courage and the entire army of Aurangzeb tells them, I will free you guys if you just accept conversion to Islam. And all of them embraced death. Not one said, I have a family back home, I have this. This is called will. To be rooted in faith, whatever we truly believe in, even if everything is dark, the will doesn't say, oh my God, why has my Lord abandoned me? No, he never abandons. So this is the tapas of the will, this aspiration. And the more we light it through offering, the more it flames up. And as this will, even when we can do nothing outwardly, even when we are sick, lying in, on deathbed, this will can still be awake and it can rebuild everything. So this will must be, this is the element to which all the thoughts must be exposed. All our feelings, whenever we experience a feeling, we must bring it in front of this fire. Let it go through it. It will undergo purifying and cleansing process. And, and this has been tested and proved to be true. Mother gives a simple exercise that, you know, when you have a thought or you want to act something, bring it before this fire and this light. And it will tell us whether this is the right way or there is something deeper. We don't need moral lessons. Enough of them. All artificial things. But this will will tell us. Or even if it doesn't tell us, pass through it and we'll see that it gets purified. And it's a very simple way. Let's say that, you know, people want to get married. And they do all the Janam Kundali and what Kundali and, you know, Kundali word, I don't know why they use. Kundali reminds me of the snake sitting like a Kundali. Kundali mar ke betha hua hai. And they will say also, Shani ka Kundali hai, Rao ka Kundali hai. But, you see, look at the beauty. The, the marriage takes place around the fire. Supposing not doing all these things. We have a story of Savitri Satyavan. Why Kundali? She has been told, predicted, this man is going to die after one year. But what is it that Savitri holds on to? She says, doesn't matter if that one year, that one year is all my life. But I want to live it in the true way, the most beautiful way. So the only thing required when one goes into a, let's say marriage, I'm taking this example, an aliens or a new venture, Let's say a business, people want to consult astrologers and all this. What is the yogic way of doing it? It's not about Vastu Sastra, it's not about this, that. They are all ways of ignorance and one can do it. I'm not saying do it or not do it because kuch logon ka ghar chalta hai. So <laughs> I shouldn't, you know. But just offer it to the divine and say whatever I am going to undertake, the next step of my journey. Lord, may it be beautiful, may it be divine. 
May this become useful in your service. Everything from a childbirth, may this child be yours. May this child grow up to do a work of you in the world. May our venture which I have undertaken business be done by you. May it become a divine venture. May I be a trustee. May all the money that is coming, may it be used for divine purpose. May this relationship in which I am going to enter, may not be just crude, animal, even human, but something greater than human. May it become some, may the fragrance of something divine, you know, smell through it. May the light of the divine shine through it. May we not live according to the ego, but according to some deeper truth. So this is the way we undergo this fourth or the, this is the first indispensable level of purification. But if we have not gone through the first three stages, then there will be a lot of smoke. See, Ramakrishna used to say very beautifully. He said, if you ignite a log of wood, which is wet, then it will throw smoke. So we see when people have not gone through this pre- preliminary process, that's why in many yogas we have yama niyama and all this. And Shurabindu gave an even simpler way to purify these first three layers. Always behave as if the mother is looking at you because she is indeed always present. But if one has not gone through an indispensable purification of the physical, vital and mental layers, indispensable up to a limit, we cannot go beyond a limit until we bring in the psychic element. But if one has not gone through it and suddenly one starts exposing it to the psychic flame, there will be a lot of resistances hidden which come up. This is what she is indicating in the passage that within the ashram, the root of all difficulties which are psychological difficulties because people have not gone through it they don't I mean it's not about ashram it's about everywhere in the world we want to touch this fire without even knowing how to speak to my neighbor so what's going to happen lot of smoke lot of doubts lot of resistances and yes if we continue exposing ourselves yes it will purify but it's very very difficult to go through that process so there is a point of time we have to do this part and also the psychic flame and then finally, the last stage is after we have done all this. The space, these are the panch tattva and they are process of purification. See, this, this is the same sequence. Starts with space and then goes to the, uh, the aerial element and then we have the fire element, the jalam element and the prithvi element. So space means what? Now, with the touch of the psychic, something beautiful has grown. Something, the, the gold has been purified. But what is the use of purified gold? Is it only to keep my own wealth, increase my wealth or is it to be given for the work in the world? So that is the next step and in Savitri also we see that. That after she has created uh, the inner heaven, you know she hears that, that a camp of God is pitched in human time. Oh soul, it is too early to rejoice. And then she enters into the wide world consciousness. So this uh, purifying process should not be oh I am a pure person holier than thou that means actually I have not purified at all the sign of purity is one can move ultimate sign one can move with anyone and anything nothing can corrupt Ganga Jal never gets corrupted it has the power of purifying everything this is the power of the uh, I mean I am saying outer Ganga should be purified but but it, this is the power that this, you know, there is a story of Swami Vivekananda where Vivekananda, um, he, he, he was to travel outside and uh, people complained to Ma Sharada that what is it we hear that he, you know, goes out, sits in hotels, he eats meat, I have heard he drinks wine also. She says, you know, what Thakur used to say, Sri Ramakrishna, that even if he goes seven seas 
outside he wears any dress discards the sanyasi robe sits in a posh hotel and you know eats food all kinds of food with anyone he will purify it nothing can corrupt it so that is the power of purification the sign that one is truly the sign of purification is not that one has to avoid with many kinds of outer measures the ultimate sign of purification is one can be anywhere and everywhere and yet one is becomes humble with purification because one realizes the divine in the outcast the divine in in the criminal the lawyer you see shorbindo um, i am sorry i use the word criminal and lawyers together but it was not done intentionally though there may be some kind of <laughs> nexus like doctors and sickness let me make a corrective where doctors go sickness seems to abound so anyways the point is that this is what is the sign of true purity that it is given to the world and that's what is setting it into space and uh, it is described in this way that there is a pure gold which is offered at the feet of the divine that make use of me so what he does he carves an ornament and for whom he is carving the ornament for himself if the ornament begins to think it's oh it's me i look so beautiful then again its value is gone so these are the stages of purification and it's not they are not exclusive of each other we can start from one we can start at all of them simultaneously lighting the psychic fire but also separating the gross from the crude changing our life motives changing our thoughts at the same time offering our whole being to the divine for his work at his service so ultimately after all this there is a beautiful god like as shobindo says if we open to the mother and leave it to her she will release the god like elements from our nature so what is this human stage it's a transition we hear about the gods in the upanishad that all the gods are there in a human form where are they gone we have to purify the human nature which is still too much of the which still carries the stamp of animal and rakshasa and asura upon it this is the story of purification of sita walking the agni pariksha sita is material nature so it's a symbolic story she has to meet the divine soul so she walks through the process of purification then the two of them come together and then of course the larger work in the world so this is the whole passage and the process it may look um, difficult but does man have a choice we have a choice either to evolve beyond human because we are programmed for that or to remain forever unhappy being human because with passage of time because of the new consciousness the original programming we are programmed to evolve we are going to feel left out left behind the pressure of outer circumstances is bound to increase more and more as the mother says that the future of the earth depends upon a change of consciousness and the change is bound to come but it is left to men to decide whether they will collaborate and consent for the change or the change is thrust upon them by the power of crashing circumstances and the crashing circumstances have started not today 100 years back and they're going to increase forget the cephalologists it's not about one virus there are 100 things because the original plan of the divine for which the earth has been created is what eko hum bahushyami i am one i want to become many divines we all are destined to become divine so we have a choice either to evolve or to collapse back into the simplicity of the animal world this is the choice which is going to come and it's going to increase more and more and we should not be you know frightened with it we must know that behind every mask of terror there is the smile of the divine beloved rip off the mask by having faith and we see the smile of the beloved see the mask with the eyes of terror and fear 
and we'll be more and more frightened and go inside. So this is the whole journey. This is the process. So as she has said, that the remedy lies in a growth of consciousness and purification of consciousness. There are two that go together. So on one side, growth by going beyond the mind into the intuitive spaces where thought is born, uh, changing our operating system from the uh, rational intellectual mind to the intuition. And that's what we see happening. Children nowadays, the need for space, the feeling of subjectivity, all these are indicators that children want, they are willy-nilly entering into the intuitive phase. I know of children who suddenly make such remarks which are very, very strange. Even parents are surprised. How did they say this? They are very intuitive things. So we are changing from the rational analytical mode and that's why man is likely to lose this faculty of reasoning with passage of time. We see this happening because it has entered into too much uh, activity and now it's going to collapse. Thus, the collapse of the rational world, analytical world, started in 1960s. Counterculture movement and all this. I'll be whatever I want to be. It was like the rational world built in a very neat, perfect world has collapsed. Scientifically, it started collapsing when the entire science entered into chaos and uh, I mean in the quantum world so basically the outer structures are bound to collapse we don't have to worry about it we don't have to hold it and try to resurrect the same it is the body of sati which is being destroyed because she has served her purpose but out of the flames of yagna in which sati sacrifices a body Parvati, the new consciousness must arise, the daughter of the mountains, the new energy, the divine energy born in earth nature on its heights and its peaks. That is the solution and she will find a way and mean to reach her beloved Shiva, the divine consciousness. She will find a way and it may start with even Kama. See, look at the story. It starts with an attraction to the divine through Kama. But where does it end in? The destruction of karma and karma becomes anang, the divine love. The love which is in the heart of Parvati. So we should not be worried. They are appearances. But we should, our focus should be on this growth and on this purification. And if we do it, we will cross over. And not just cross over to the same old world, but to an entirely new world. And if we cannot do it, well, one cannot do it. So life is like that. That a whole species have been wiped away, the mastodon, the sloth, the dinosaur, the nine levels of, uh, at least nine we know of, pre-human, our human ancestors. So there would be elements in humanity which are not ready to take the leap. But let us for ourselves and for most of us, let's pray for the whole earth that may we be blessed to take a leap into the future. Thank you. Thank you, Alagji. Um, I think it was uh, wonderful, I would say, uh, because it has a lot of uh, action, activity uh, for us to follow and do, um, and uh, the elaboration of the passage where we got this reference, I will circulate to everyone, as you mentioned. Uh, and I think it was very well together for the growth and purification different steps that if anyone has any question you may ask or we can take one or two questions and then we'll close today's call I have a question sure please yes sir uh, 
Did you record uh, Pandi's uh, notes or uh, words? Did you record it? Yes, they are being recorded. At least at this end, they have been recorded and they'll be put up. Yes. Is it possible? It's so, so beautiful what you said, Alaka. We, Betty and I have been to India many times and, and though, uh, very close friends with Aurobindo Basu before he passed on. Thank you, thank you, I would love to be able to share what you said with our family, uh, and okay. I would love to be able to have uh, opportunity to have the recording. Yeah. Yes, sir. We'll do that. We'll do that. In a in a. I will send an email uh, to everyone. Yes, I, in a couple of days, uh, two or three days, I suppose we should be able to uh, send you the links. Yes, we'll Fantastic. do that. Fantastic. Fantastic. Beautifully thank done. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Aditi, Arjun, Ambika also here. Yes, without them, the questions are not complete. <laughs> yeah, hi. Where are you? <laughs> um, okay. so I, there was a, a part of your speech when you were saying that... Um, it was an example where, I don't 100% remember the wording, but you said that these people were asked whether they would convert or die, and they said they would die. So I have a question. How, how does that mean that you have a strong faith? Like, Yeah, I, I got the, it was a story, the real story. It was not... Can you mute your phone if you are not... Yeah, can I, I, I'll just respond to Aditi. So Aditi, this is actually a real story uh, of the, you know, during the time of Aurangzeb, you may be aware, now you know, of course, a lot of, uh, like every beautiful movement tends to degenerate over a period of time, to save the Hindus who could not fight the Mughals, out of a section of the Hindus, the Sikh Gurus created what is now called as the Khalsa Panth. So Khalsas were those who were ready to sacrifice their lives for the sake of safeguarding others against the Mughal invasion. This is the original history. There is no, without a, adding a word I am saying. So in that process, the Sikh Gurus taught them to sacrifice. It was a combination, a unique combination of spiritual practices, spiritual ascension and a spirit of sacrifice, not just inwardly, but even outwardly, just like the Gita. If you look at it. So in that process, we have, a, there are many stories in that. One of the Sikh Gurus, Guru Tegh Bahadur, his children were actually, uh, you know, made to, they were buried alive. And uh, the, the master was asked that, you know, you accept Islam. And he said, no, I won't. Children were actually buried alive. Then he was made to sit on a hot plate. And he refused. And eventually when people asked him that, you know, who is going to liberate, um, it was not like India, but you know, uh, from this Mughal rule. He said, when a man who is really a spiritually great human being, when pure human being, when he offers himself as a sacrifice, then, then uh, this, this place will be liberated. So his uh, son says something very interesting. They are all sitting, who will be this man? And the nine-year-old son, Guru Gobind Singh, Later on, the 10th Guru, he says, 
father who else can be greater than you in terms of spiritually pure and that is how he challenges aurangzeb and says you convert me and you take my word that everybody will accept conversion so he tried till the last moment all kinds of lures finally he beheaded him and that's when you know somebody took the head and brought it and then that man banda bahadur who was his companion he was also rounded up and 106 now it is a sign of faith that what is faith faith is not that you know something good will happen to me to my ego self faith is the essence to which i hold on to as you have very beautifully asked how is it faith we think faith means if everything good is happening i have faith in god the day something happens which is amiss i start you know having doubts it is not faith it is belief based on uh, demands or rational evidence but faith is the man faith is something that this is intrinsic to me let's say i have faith in dharma look at raja harishchandra he had faith in truth till the last moment of his life he doesn't give up on truth similarly look at you know now we had the ram temple look at lord rama whole life what have people not called him but he has faith in that great word of the He, he, you know, he lives by that great word that Raghukul Rith Sada Chali Aayi Pran Jai Par Vachan Na Jai. He says, I believe that if I drew truly Dharma as a king, whatever people may say, good will come out of it. So this faith is something very intrinsic, and it is so precious that one should never ever lose it, even if one is on in the final moments. In fact, it's that's when because the journey doesn't end with the last breath. The last breath is only the beginning of a new journey. वायुरनिल अमृतम छेदम भस्मांतम शरीरम ओम कृतोस्मर कृतम स्मर कृतोस्मर कृतम स्मर ईशुपनिषद द लास्ट ब्रेथ इज द बिगनिंग ऑफ द फर्स्ट ब्रेथ दिस इज हाउ वी शुड लुक एट द ह्यूमन जर्नी सो दीज ग्रेट फोर फादर्स आई फील सो प्राउड टू से यू नो माई माई एनसेस्टर्स एंड अवर एनसेस्टर्स एंड द वर्ल्ड एनसेस्टर्स बिकॉज दिस सोड द सीड ऑफ ब्यूटी एंड डिविनिटी इन द वर्ल्ड what was their life how did they look at life not the way we are so frightened oh if the something like this happens to me let it happen let the body go to pieces and yet my soul must with every piece say lord i am yours lord i am yours lord i am yours this is what is called faith faith is the core as the gita puts it faith is the man and when we discover that faith in faith is nothing to do with religion incidentally faith is the man the core so we must discover our faith what is it that holds me for which i am ready to die for which life death everything carries a meaning only from that that core is the faith and thanks to these great uh, great ones that they never gave up their faith even till the last moment this was not faith about a belief in this or that religion it was a faith that if they hold on to truth well they will look beyond death yeah so so that's the question yeah any any other question yes yeah what's the difference between um having uh hubris and dying on something dying about something that's not worth worth dying over and having faith and and will because there's like a silver lining right so what we're taught when we're younger usually is that you shouldn't stress over things that are not worth stressing over but what i'm hearing right now is that if you have faith or if you truly are determined to believe something you should die over it so what's the difference between knowing what's worth that energy and knowing what's not yes it's a very good question and a very subtle one 
because there are people who would say they are dying for their faith but let me tell you that like everything else is corrupted in life they, this faith has also been corrupted into some kind of a belief system or a socio political ideology just a moment yeah yeah for which people are being motivated to give their life now this question was asked to shirbindo i'll come to the deeper element but first let's put it very bluntly what about a jihadi who says i am dying for god and you know he bomb blast number 1 this sacrifice that we are talking about is not a cowardly act number 1 second is that it is not something which is motivated with bags of money which are going to enter into my account it's not motivated by promoting a certain kind of ideology by promoting a certain kind of religion that is not faith faith is one of the divine elements in nature we have changed faith into a belief system that you know this particular god is my god and he is the ultimate god and for whom we may give our life but faith is more intrinsic let me put it now a little more explicitly let us say that you know for lord rama people went marched with an army and they fought with uh, uh, you know um, uh, the asura king and many of them died in the process so was it for just for rama that they were sacrificing their life or because of what rama stood for what he really believed in now when we look at it it's a very subtle distinction now the subtle distinction is that rama lived and stood for whatever is noblest what kind of love it would be that a man is marching i mean all the way crossing the bridge taking the challenge of an asura king with all his this thing just because he thinks that his wife has been wronged and he thinks it's not just about one wife but it's about the safety of women in the country what subsequent events are a different thing the point that i am trying to make is that what a divine being stands for so when we look inside ourselves we have to discover what is our great strength some people are moved by the idea of truth shubhendra used the word real idea some people are moved by the idea of justice some people are moved by the idea of love some people are used by the idea moved by the idea of harmony and beauty now that which is intrinsic which we will not sacrifice come what may and like million rays of the sun the one divine has many aspects so this is one of them so i must discover what is it that for me is the core the essence which is what i live for not outer things but inwardly and for which i can lay my life but not sacrifice that and it can go to any extent you know in the trojan war when all the warriors are together they are having a meeting that should we engage in this battle or not they have been challenged you know and uh, helen has been brought by his son paris and so there is a battle which is going to take place and king priam asks one question to helen he asks only one question to her do you still love my son and she says yes and he says then we will have a war and it will be a war because love has to be valued over everything else so there is a core you know the whole mahabharata and ramayana can be seen like that a tale of love and a tremendous love so the core is what we have to discover and for each one it will be different because well i mean the core is the same but its expression and manifestation will be different so we must discover it now this core we may find more uh, you know going with a particular kind of ideology or going with a certain kind of you know belief system or a certain religion or independent of that that is a different thing altogether like 
I have been moved always with the idea of perfection in the world. I'm just giving an example. This world must become perfect. So that is my core. Now, if I didn't find a way and means, I would not choose Nirvana because this is my core. I can't sacrifice it. But, well, I discovered that Shurabindu does give a way that this world can become perfect. So, it is something so beautifully aligned to my basic faith. So, faith is something we must discover deep within ourselves. It's independent of the circumstances of our birth, independent of all indoctrinations and social and religious pressures. Anyone else has any other question? Maybe before. Alokda, I have yes. a question. Yes. How do how do you build this faith in little kids? How do you inculcate that in you know toddlers and little kids? Yes, yes. So how do we inculcate anything? There are three ways of doing it. The three principles of education. First is by words. Tell them stories. See, I, I heard these stories and they have set my heart aflame. I was very fortunate to be born in a typical, uh, you know, Hindu family where, uh, you know, Ram Katha and all this. So I, I was moved that yes, I, I come from a land where, you know, when I read the stories of Shivi, of Raja Harishchandra, of Bhagirath, I said, this is worth doing. So it was very clear that, you know, so teach them through stories, very small children, toddlers and very youngsters, stories. And th- nowadays this is coming up as value stories, very unfortunate that children, and they are there in every uh, culture. It's very unfortunate that the children have become disjointed and we have all the kind of exposure and, you know, they are seeing everything else except this, these wonderful stories. So through stories, through words, beautiful words and through a general environment, let's say, you know, the, the environment in which a child should be brought up should be one of truth and beauty and harmony. Truth, beauty and harmony are aspects of the divine. Now imagine we tell a child that, you know, don't tell truth, tell a lie and if the child tells truthfully something, we punish. So we are creating an environment in which really this, these things cannot develop. So the whole environment should be such that it nurtures this deeper self. And the second is children from very childhood should be taught to consult their own heart. We have got disconnected. So what happens is when they grow up, we are given artificially a book. My education was in a convent school where the most boring book I ever found was moral science book. Do this, don't do this. But real life is not about that. Real life will give us situations and dilemmas which you cannot categorize as black and white. There are shades of grey. How do I determine? That's what we see in Arjuna's dilemma. So what does Sri Krishna say? Consult your own heart. You are a Kshatriya. Follow your Sadharma. Forget about you have read the Sankhya philosophy, this philosophy, that philosophy. What are you meant to do? If you have the heart of a Buddha, okay, walk away from the war and look for the ultimate remedy of mankind. But you are a Kshatriya. You have the heart of somebody who must stand for what is true. You are a champion of the right. You cannot see uh, injustice win into the world. So stand for justice and truth and right because that's your dharma. So what does Krishna say? He says consult your own nature. So this is what children have forgotten because they are being taught from outside through books and teachers and society. They should be taught from childhood to learn to distinguish what is beautiful and what is not so beautiful. You see, instead of good and bad, which, are, which can be played around. You know, people play around. They say, ultimately there is nothing good and bad. Yes. 
But you talk about beauty, very difficult to play around. So inculcate the sense of beauty and, and let, it, let them learn to consult from the heart. Let them say that, yes, I think this is more beautiful, this action. So this is the second way. Then the next way is, the next thing is influence. The influence of those who are around. You see, earlier there used to be joint families. There is a reason why nature has destroyed it. Now nature is more and more isolating and now there are not too many influences. At least at home we can try. The child is in school for you know six hours or eight hours. When the child is at home, the influence, because parents are deeply concerned, even in school, the influence of teachers, the kind of life they are leading, the kind of consciousness they breathe, all this is important for the child's upbringing. And finally, we have the example. So this is something missing very much uh, sadly in today's times. I mean, I remember my growing up and it was so easy for me to take Arjuna as the ideal. But now we have, you know, I mean, no offense meant Sachin Tendulkar and uh, Rithik Roshan and Shahrukh Khan and, you know, <laughs> Amir and all. The, I mean, it's, it's, they don't have an ideal. There's no example. So parents and teachers should become living examples. When they look upon their father, I mean, I, I'm, I must bring in uh, Vivek, he has told me such beautiful stories about his own father. And they have moved me so much that here was a man who could, you know, who could walk miles and miles thinking of the good of those with whom he shared his life, the good, larger good of the community and, you know, the people at large. So when there is a living example, especially in their near vicinity, I know people who talk about one grandparent or grand uncle and say, you know, he was like that. So they should be living examples. And when living examples are not there, we should try to bring in through the stories those living examples. And uh, that's how they should be taught. Life of Rama, Krishna. Life of Krishna, I remember Govind giving such a nice lecture that, you know, he suffered from childhood. Look at the sacrifices he made. It's not just about celebrating Janamashtami and, you know, having Ras and uh, done with. It's about look at the life of Krishna from childhood. He is haunted by this or that and yet he smiles. His smile is so infectious. Why? Because he is the one person who has been chased by enemies from birth. And yet he can smile. So Krishna's smile is not just a, a bewitching smile. It is a smile because here is somebody whose whole life has been chased by shadows. And yet he has learned to smile and teaches us to smile. And therefore it is a living example. Therefore Krishna's smile is infectious. He never became a cynic. He didn't become an activist. He didn't become, you know, somebody who will revolt against the system and say, revolution must be brought by the barrel of a gun. He didn't do any of these things. He quietly, persuadingly changed the world by his smile. Why? Because this smile was born of the strength to face every adversity. So this is how children should be brought up. Words, influence and example. Thank you. Alok Alok ji. Yes. Uh, this important <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> 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 
सो कॉन्शियंस जो है वो तो एक मेंटल कंस्ट्रक्ट है जैसे हम सब जानते हैं एक सामाजिक कंस्ट्रक्ट है या यू नो इट्स फ्रॉम द सोसाइटी फ्रॉम वेरियस थिंग्स बट द ट्रू सेल्फ द ट्रू सेंस ऑफ व्हाट इज नॉट ओनली ट्रू एज आई सेड बट आल्सो ब्यूटीफुल नाउ गुड एंड बैड इज नॉट द क्राइटेरिया द क्राइटेरिया शुड बी ट्रू एंड ब्यूटिफुल बिकॉज वेन वी स्पीक अबाउट द डिवाइन वी डोंट स्पीक अबाउट गुड एंड बैड दिस इज अनफॉर्चुनेटली ए मेंटल ट्रांसलेशन ऑफ थिंग्स बट इट इज अबाउट ट्रू एंड ब्यूटिफुल सो दिस प्लेस विच इज द सेंटर द ट्रू सेल्फ इज इन द कोर ऑफ आर हार्ट एंड दैट्स वाई वेन वी से नमस्ते वी डोंट यू नो ऑफकोर्स वी कैन डू दैट वी कैन डू दैट बट वी इंस्टिंगटिवली ज्वाइन अवर हैंड वेन दे आस्क हु आर यू वी डोंट यू नो टैप अवर हैड एंड सेड यू नो आई एम सो एंड सो हार्वर्ड प्रोफेसर आई डोंट से दैट नॉर विल वी स्ट्रोक आर बेली एंड से यू नो आई एम ए रिच मैन वी टच अवर हार्ट एंड से आई एम सो एंड सो सो दिस आई इज हियर एंड वी मस्ट टीच इन चिल्ड्रेन इट इज मच मोर इजियर इंसिडेंटली बिकॉज द ईगो हैज नॉट डेवलप्ड इज ए एम्पायर the file is still not fully corrupted the trojan horse is not entered so we must try to right from childhood teach the children to feel they have forgotten how to feel so we teach them how to think but not how to feel many of them don't know how to feel many children don't know even you know whether i am in love or not so strange the most powerful element in life they don't even know what is joy because they don't know how to feel they mistake joy for pleasure and happiness everything is a khichdi so to teach them what is a quiet joy what is truly love and to teach them to feel what is true and what is beautiful so as they learn slowly uh, they will grow up into wonderful adults this is the way that mother has uh, taught and i know people who practice it and it's really wonderful any book you can suggest for children which are yes. full of you know enriching stories of people yes. stories uh, i you know it's very unfortunate yeah 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 i mean i mean i i still feel that uh, if we really want one book it is the ramayana and the mahabharata and the bhagavatam three books if you ask me because they are the best but otherwise there are many collection of stories and there is no end nowadays everything is available but if you ask me the most enriching books it is the ramayana mahabharata and the bhagavat between them uh, the three books bring in almost everything possible to enrich a child's uh, consciousness okay so uh, yeah. if you want to ask any question francisco you you said you wanted to ask a question hey good morning from new york thank you for the thank you for this for the signs absolutely beautiful so i i am a new york city i am from ecuador and uh, the 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 people who study most the indigenous belief in the americas say that the only person who express completely is sri robindo so i want to challenge the two process so we have munai munai for us is will courage and love will be compassion is one energy is not separated energy yes yes energy make the divine focus and create this this thing and we can return using munai so another part important part that we could share is integration integrity okay. of the whole existence in us and outside yes. and then we create this alchemist process to change this energy so yes. for us the the is a very big thinking the evolution process even zero window use it 
but he discovered that in Ecuador, Ecuador in the Galapagos Islands. But I believe it was that he was talking with a shaman. But the, the real evolution was that we evolved. Everything is in evolution, but not for the stronger. It's for the one who harmonize, because the most important thing is harmonization. So for us, we don't have to have faith in anything. Actually, oral knowledge for forever never was written down because writing is a limitation. Yes. We, did, we did a lot of images in our textiles. So our textiles and explain about the universe, the, the macro universe and the mini universe. So right. all of them are expressed in our textiles. So they say we have faith that we choose to exist and we exist okay. in integrate in, 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 in the integration with everything. Yes. That's, is that compatible? Because when I see Indian beliefs, yeah. they have a lot of concern about words, a lot of concern about yeah. procedures, and obsessive about the kids. The kids are like, when I talk with somebody who's Indian, I think he's in jail of their parents. It's never free. And the parents love them. It's not about jail. For the indigenous people, we take the yes. kid when he's 12 years and we send it to the forest until he decides who is him and choose his name. From that to the Indian parents that will choose their everything for the kid. Okay. So is that compatible with Sir Rubino? I am fantasizing because okay. I want... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll come to that. So first of all, Sri is a very vast synthesis. And so there are aspects of many different kinds of approaches. Like as you said, the evolutionary aspect, the compassion and love as one energy. All this is very much definitely there. But there are many elements which are also unique to Shurabindu. So we, can, we know, like many, like the Gita, many aspects of the Gita are, uh, we see well aligned to Shurabindu. This thought that you mentioned, there is an alignment with Shurabindu. But there are many unique and new elements. So when you use the word compatible, it is like from one one can definitely enlarge into another. Whereas there are kind of systems which are not too compatible. Like if there is a thrust towards nirvana. Now it may not be very compatible because it's towards other worldliness. If there is a thrust towards asceticism, it's not very compatible with, you know. So this is one part of it. As far as the Indian system goes, you know, it's a very big subject. But I am trying to put it in very nutshell. You see, India is a very unique uh, land and it has developed through many layers of civilizational process. And uh, it has also integrated many, many, many diverse lines of spiritual evolution. You see, when there is one kind of uh, approach which, is, which works very well, it's like, you know, uh, a system of medicine. So one system works very well with that person. Like, you know, I may believe that you drink anything and you'll be fine. And it works with me because I have grown up, you know, drinking well water. But I know that in modern educated youth in the city, if I tell him, he'll be horrified. <laughs> and in all likelihood, he will develop a severe stomach upset. So each one... Uh, has there are there is a approach unique to each one, and in India we have many many such approaches. So you can imagine the confluence of many rivers. This is the second thing we have to understand. Third is about faith. Now faith is not a belief system at all. So that's what I was trying to differentiate. That like when we say that there is an energy. Now this is what is faith. That there is a compassion deep inside this intrinsic core. 
that is what is faith faith is not a belief system or you know a book in which or a scripture or a person we have to believe in but this aspect of uh, you know indian children being caved inside i would agree but at the same time i would tell you the reason because uh, you know hundreds of years of onslaught acculturation or inculturations conversions the tendency to destroy the civilization and culture it never got destroyed it's a different thing because of the strength but as a result of it what what happened in the indian psyche is strong tendency to defend itself and it started expressing in these terms that you know my child it must not go and mix freely because it may this may happen that may happen because it has gone into the psyche the kind of mass conversions if you go today to goa i am giving example of one place now the goa the entire indian culture has been wiped off or let me put it hindu culture it was ruled by some very benevolent hindu kings and when the christian invasions took place people were punished just for having a uh, you know uh, what is tulsi called tulsi plant basil plant in the house because the aggressors the invaders wanted to wipe out every trace of the indigenous culture now when this was happening for hundreds not just a few years right from almost 600 years so the tendency became to defend oneself that no no my child should not mix much it is not a good tendency but now that you know india has regained freedom and there is a you know once again the the true essence of hinduism is working itself uh, all over the world this is going to change it should change i quite agree because you know uh, too much uh, trying to you know safeguard yourself is sign of a weakness but the reason is that this is not the original indian thought original indian thought was gurukul when a child of 5 was sent out you see when we read the ramayana 5 year old chit of a child is sent to gurukul where he is away from the comfort of his palace and he has to learn Uh, you know living within the forest this is how they were taught gurukul was that real life experience so this is going to come up this is just a phase of transition so i think we should just wait for some more time and we'll see that a, a new india and a new thought will emerge but yes there are many things which are can be aligned to shirobindo's thought this is one of them which you mentioned uh, but shirobindo's thought is also brings many new elements which for shortage of time you know i am not discussing here which also are there and one can integrate them yes thank you very so much so we wait shall we yeah yes i think alanda this one one quick thing what what do you want to say what book can i read where is this baby yeah what book can you read how old are you and what's your name gayatri how old are you gayatri and yes you read the bhagavat okay you asked me for one book so i am naming you one book stories of krishna okay thank you thank you uh, thank you all of the and a special thank you from mummy to all of us to everyone who attended this program and uh, we shall meet again yes we shall meet again because now we have these you know 9 o'clock limit to our yes, yes. going back so and, i'll rush and thank very you. special thank yeah. you to sushil please okay okay bye bye thank you have a beautiful day ahead yes. yes thank you thank you thank you bye